Not so long ago, if you worked in a factory or an office and you had a problem with your boss, you could rally your comrades together and stage a protest. But what if your boss is a robot and there is no central workplace? It's easy to feel alone and any chance of fighting back against a tech behemoth looking down on you from a cloud seems far-fetched. Thankfully though, you've come to the right place because we have solutions for you, the platform worker. Welcome to My Boss is a Robot from the Solidarity Center. This is our first toolkit episode, which will hopefully serve as an easy guide toward the daunting task of getting organized into unions in this brand new industry. I'm Shauna Bader-Blau, Executive Director at the Solidarity Center. Organizing app workers in the context of a world in which technology is increasingly taking over the global economy and the wonder and the amazement of artificial intelligence and machine learning and apps and the internet, the wonder and the amazement of the possibilities created by all of that exponential growth also expose a real risk that companies are in fact consolidating power and undermining workers in the process of consolidating that power and wealth, that human rights are disposable. Meanwhile, in the Philippines, workers are developing a pushback, a charter of rights for a better future of work, and lessons for all of us around the world, union organizers and workers to stand up against these trends. On today's show, we have two great guests, John J. Chan, He's an app driver with a degree in political science, also getting his master's degree in business. He's a volunteer organizer in Metro Manila, helping to bring app drivers together, working with lawmakers to get better regulations in place to protect platform workers. Second, we have Joshua Mehta, a veteran of the labor movement, working as a trade unionist in the field for three decades. He's the secretary general of Centro, and I'm sure he has plenty to say about platform apps taking over his country. Joshua Mehta, you guys are organizing everywhere. What are the unique challenges that platform workers face though, like specifically app drivers? I think it's a perfect question to start this discussion because you were right in your introduction when you asked the question, what if you're working for a robot? But I have a far more challenging situation. What if you were actually convinced that you're not working for anyone but yourself? That's precisely the big challenge that we're facing. The platform companies in the country have effectively disguised the employee-employer relationships that they have with their riders. But the bigger problem, many of the riders are actually convinced that there is no such thing as employee-employer relationship. And many of the problems that the workers in factories are exactly the same problems that they face, except that here, we have to convince them that there's something they can actually do. The lack of awareness of our riders portraying as a freelance uh, workers. Many of the riders thought that we don't have any labor rights. On a day-to-day when you're doing deliveries, you're working, how does it make a difference that you're considered a contractor or a freelancer and not a worker? The main difference is the rights we are getting from the company. 
as a we're not getting or not getting <laughs> yeah right. we agreed that we consider ourselves as independent contractor not a regular worker that's right such as a minimum wage health security and other benefits we don't have those rights we don't have any rights at all as independent contractor because our law treated us as a separate company if you look at this whole idea of being treated as independent contractor to its absurdity. In Davao City, all the riders are asked to pay for business permits. And when we ask why, well, that's because you're independent contractors. <laughs> so it's really absurd. It's really absurd. Is it easy to convince other drivers to join the union and join an organization to come together? Well, it's hard. <laughs> Obviously, it's hard because the riders are always uh, resisting to absorb any information that is against to their beliefs or the information that was given to them by the company. The unawareness is the most challenging factor that we experience. That's the reason why we have to step up and, and do a lot of work as, uh, as educators, being organizers. They were led to believe that they are independent, truly independent contractors, and that there's no employee-employee relationship. I'm wondering what organizations like Centro and app workers in general are trying to do to like fight back against this sort of deregulation of the workplace. It's a sector that's growing really, really fast. Nobody actually knows how many app riders we have. Yes, yes. There's uh, no data. Not even the Department of Labor can provide exact data, but we know it's growing. And second of all, it's not going to go away. This seems like to be the new normal. That, in a way, forced us to get into this sector and to try to learn about this sector and, and try to organize things. We developed a charter of rights that came from the discussions that we had with the riders themselves. Charter of rights, uh, it enumerates the basic rights that the gig worker should have, a basic minimum wage, having a written contract, having a insurance, health insurance or accidental insurance, benefits such as social security services, basic labor rights. Essentially, every rider, whether they're considered as freelance rider, independent contractor, actually employees of the platform, has to enjoy the rights that every single worker enjoy in this country. And it's the riders themselves that actually started to enhance this Charter of Rights, which became the basis or like core issues that we are fighting for. Janjay, what are the more common issues that we face now in many of the areas where we organize? The diversity of the worker community. The rider community or the gig worker are so diverse in a way that it is very hard having any contradiction among them. Let's get into a little bit more about how you organize. First of all, how do you find everybody? In every place, we should find the right person that the workers could relate to. Someone they trust. Yes. We have to figure out who's the leader of the group. Normally, they call them team leaders, right? Yeah. And then normally, what happens is that you invite them into an orientation discussion. Orientation. 
What do you say about why it's necessary to join a union? What's your pitch? Hey, brother, you know, or sister, have you heard about what happened to, to our dear friend, you know, who, well, he actually passed away. But did you hear that the, the company didn't even provide insurance? Come on, you think that's the way we should be treated? Haven't we been given so much money to this company, you know, making it earn so much from what we're doing every day? We should have our insurance, right? Here's the thing. There is an effort to do this in our city, and we'd like you to take a look at it. That's the pitch. But what is more challenging is the finding the right place where you are going to conduct that discussion. Do it in places where riders would congregate, in malls or centers uh, where you have a concentration of restaurants. We call it tambayan, no? and that's a Filipino word for congregation. It's easy for you to strike a conversation with them, right? You have the space and you have the atmosphere good enough for you to have a conversation with them. And then that's the pitch that you use to invite them into an orientation, which we hope to start doing now inside the city hall. And that's like the second layer of discussion. From that, you can easily identify who would be interested in actually joining the, the organization. And yes. that's when you start asking them to fill up membership forms. And as regards to how often that it should be conducted, I suggest that it should be conducted in a weekly basis in order to sustain their capability as a future leader of the union. In the second seminar, every member that we have given a membership form, they are given a strong foundation. In your experience, Janje, how many workers would normally join the union after this? second layer of a job. Like if you have 10 people in one room. About eight to nine people. Out of 10. Out of That's 10. That's amazing. That's quite a, a high, um, high percentage. It's, it's difficult to organize in the Philippines because we are being red tagged in the Philippines. And by red tagging, it means that you're being accused of being a front organization of the Communist Party or armed group or even terrorist group. But if you're inviting them to go to City Hall, I mean, how can they even imagine that we are a front organization of anything else other than a yes. legitimate union that actually is using the law in order to advance the rights and welfare of the riders. Uh, the city councilor sponsored our bill to host us in a big place within the city hall. That's when we get to infuse the ideas that we have in our charter of rights. In fact, in the freelance bill that's now being discussed in the Senate, we submitted many of our ideas and we're hopeful that it will be incorporated into the final bill. So now we're getting really into some strategies and techniques here. So you mentioned it's important to pick someone who's possible to be a leader. How do you pick a leader? It's very easy to find the leader because in most cases, those leaders are always on the front. Natural leaders would be the ones who would be very, very assertive. Sometimes they are the ones who would even question you know, <laughs> your, your ideas, right? And yeah. You can see, you can sense people nodding. Oh yeah, that's right. that's right. So you know, he's the more influential person. You have kind of have a sense, you know, a feel about who the natural leaders are. In addition to that, uh, I could say that maybe you could use the saying that love your enemy. Because those people who are questioning the organizing they are also the ones that develop the more influential ones. Yes, okay. yes. I mean, a great organizer is a brilliant and brave listener. 
is what you're saying. I mean, people That's that right. are critiquing you, yes. you're doing it wrong. Why are you doing it this way? And yet you're open to listening to them, seeing their leadership. The best way to convince the people is to convince your enemy. Adver the skeptical ones. The, the, the skeptical, skeptical ones or <laughs> the adversary of the union. If you convince them that your point was right, useful for them as well, the people will follow you. Okay, so you managed to convince me, for example. What are you asking me to do? You're going to ask me to recruit my own friends. Yes, my, yes. Okay. Loyalty in the ground is very essential. Uh, you have to be sure that those people who are part of your core team is loyal to the ideas and aspiration of the union. That's a good point, John yes. because we also had a recent experience where the same, the same, what well, this kind of you know, organizing where you try to look for the natural leaders and then you get them and then you try to recruit them and then they recruit the rest of their group, if you like, could also lead to problems if you're unable to convince these leaders to actually believe in the cause. Yeah. Because it is possible that they would start using a new power, you know, for something else. Like, for example, cashing in on their newfound power by talking to the management and selling off the workers' interest. I mean, that happens. And, and that's a danger that organizers would always have to watch out. How do you incorporate the very real potential of retaliation from either the employer or government in the case of the Philippines with the red tagging and persecution of trade unionists that has happened? You actually yeah, tell them that yes. that's a possibility, right? That's inevitable. As you go into the journey as a union leader, we are always reminded about sacrifice to our group. It could affect our lives economically. It's a matter of preparing some bad things may happen. For me, I set my mind in a way that I will be some sort of a sacrificial lamb. So I will receive any retaliation for, from the company so that members in our community don't experience the same bad thing that is happening to me. The term shadow banning is always used in social media platform. But in our case, we also use the term shadow banning. Uh, we are given tasks or jobs or bookings via system generation. During the early stage of our organizing, I became shadow banned. I don't receive any bookings. I don't receive any jobs. So I don't receive any income at all. You're logged on to the platform, but you don't get any <laughs> yes. orders. Okay. I, almost every day, I don't receive any bookings. And because of that, makes me more dedicated. For me, having a degree, I use this opportunity and idea that I should fight for the welfare of the other. And that is the same thing that the organizers around the world should be thinking about. Sure, workers, that whoever is um, you know, penalized in any way, we will be there for them. John Jay, you've given us a lot of amazing detail on strategies and ideas. If you were talking to your counterparts in, let's say, Taiwan or Mexico or Nigeria, and they're starting from scratch, 
what are some basic fundamental first step principles and tactics and strategies that you would share that you haven't yet talked about? Media coverage. We need a lot of media coverage, I guess, in terms of modern technology as well. Social media or mainstream media or government media. It helps a lot in organizing. There was a terrible accident. It was a fatal accident. And the company failed to respond to the needs of the deceased rider and, and his family. And, and they started mobilizing, announcing actions, demanding uh, things from the company, using their social media, group chats, and, and even Facebook. And that's, that's an opportunity that's for, for them to start organizing in a faster way. Uh, it is very important in every organizing exposed any bad behaviors or doings of the company. We exposed the inaccessible insurance yep. provided by the company. In return, the platform company responded and they provide another layer of insurance. Companies are actually very sensitive whenever there's a negative perception about yeah. what they do and, and, and their behavior. If I may add something, Shauna, I think uh, it's, it, it's so important for trade unions out there who have been you know, so used to organizing in the normal way, I mean, in the typical way. I think we really have to have an open mind. You know? um, we in Central will never claim that we know the proper strategy now. We're practically experimenting. We're testing everything. Like in one area, we're trying to do the normal way of uh, building a union, and that is filing a certification election, get ourselves recognized as a sole and exclusive bargaining agent, and hopefully get into a CBA. Okay, I want to jump in and remind our listeners that a CBA is a collective bargaining agreement. Please continue, John Jay. That's one strategy that we're doing in one island. On the other hand, in another city, we're doing it differently. It's basically building a mass movement of workers uh, using particular issues that, that resonates. And from within that movement, get to the point that we have a critical mass, build the union, and then get into collective bargaining. At the national level, what ties us all together is this whole campaign for the Charter of Rights. Charter of Rights. That's that we're now using that legislation as a way to organize more people, tie everyone else together uh, into a national campaign. We're trying to pretend that we know what we're doing <laughs> by experimenting on every little thing that we think can, can, can be done. So my, my suggestion for trade unionists like me, well, have an open mind, free your imagination. Let's not be afraid of experimenting. Two great leaders in the Philippines, uh, John J. Chan, Joshua Mata. I'm really excited to have had this conversation with you. Thank you, guys. All right. Okay. All right, Shana. In part two, we will dive deeper into the tactics app workers are taking all over the world to push back, to develop real organizing strategies. Thank you, everyone, for listening to My Boss is a Robot from the Solidarity Center. I'm Shauna Bader-Blau.